G'day everyone. If I haven't met you yet, my name is James. I'm the new youth and families minister here at church. How about we pray before we begin? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would strengthen us this morning to hear your word. Our Lord, guard our minds from distractions, my lips from saying anything untrue, and our hearts from coldness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do have an outline, feel free to open to it. We'll be sticking to it for this talk. And I want to ask the question, what do you hunger for? That's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. I'm going to give you a poem. I don't usually start sermons with a poem, but here's one for you. Um, Sadly, it doesn't rhyme, but here's how it goes. Hunger is a powerful and loud emptiness. The more you ignore it, the more the emptiness grows. The larger it grows, the louder it gets until it is all you can hear and feel. A starving person has only one concern, one thought, and only one goal. So what are you hungry for? Food is the obvious one, and you might have guessed it's probably my favorite one. But people hunger for lots of things. Right now, you are hungering to get home into the air conditioning. That's what your one concern is, and you can't wait to get there. It's taking up all of your mind right now, and you're focusing really hard just to work out what I'm saying up the front. But people hunger for winning. They thirst for success. For some people, it's relationships and money, alcohol, pornography. People hunger and thirst for lots and lots of things. I had a mate growing up, he wanted to play cricket for Australia. So he spent all of his afternoons and all of his weekends playing and training. That meant he wouldn't go out with his friends drinking at night time because he'd want to be able to get a good night's sleep for training the next day. It means he wouldn't eat junk food with the rest of us. He wanted to actually have good fuel for his body so he has the best chance of success to making it on the team. He has one concern. He had one thought and one goal, and that was to play cricket for Australia. You describe him as a man that's hungry for it. You might know someone like that as well. But do you know anyone who is hungry for righteousness, that lives and breathes righteousness, who wakes up early to be righteous, and who gives up anything that gets in the way of being righteous? If you do, would you call them blessed or would you call them hopeless? Well, in our passage, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're up to our next point. What is righteousness? Well, righteousness is used a lot in the Bible, and it can mean slightly different things. So what does Jesus have in mind for his Sermon on the Mount? Well, simply, righteousness in our passage is living according to God's will. So if you're looking for a definition here today, righteousness is living according to God's will. In other places, it can mean being right with God, which Jesus achieves on the cross for those who believe. That's part of it, yes. But on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has in mind the pattern of life in the kingdom of God, which is in line with God's will. It's conforming to God's will. We see this a little bit later on in verse 10, where the kingdom belongs to the righteous. And then later in verse 20, which we didn't read today, but unless our righteousness is better than the Pharisees, the law keepers of the day, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The Beatitudes themselves, they flesh out for us a picture of what righteousness looks like. In verse 3, it's those who are poor in spirit. In verse 4, those who mourn their sin. In verse 5, those who are meek, seeking God's will, not forcing their own will. And as we'll go on to see, those who are merciful, pure in heart, and peacemakers. 
So we can think of righteousness as a kind of umbrella term for all of these other qualities because they all involve living according to God's will, living in ways that are pleasing to him. So the question is, are you hungry for this kind of righteousness? Is it getting you out of bed in the morning? I mean, it got you here. It's hot. You could have stayed home. So at least a little bit hungry for righteousness. Is it keeping you up at night thinking, how can I be more righteous? That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is not self-righteousness. That is, you're right with yourself and pleasing in your own eyes. It's not thinking that you are amazing and you're really pleased with yourself. That's self-righteousness. And that's what the issue with the Pharisees were. It's not just rule-keeping, as Jesus goes on to explain. It is about obedience, obeying God's law, yes. But it's also an attitude of the heart. It's not following the law and hating every moment of it, but instead it's loving God and wanting to live according to his will, living as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. One of the most common questions asked in youth groups all around the world, and this will always be the case until Jesus comes back, will be how far can I go physically with my boyfriend or girlfriend? That will always be one of the number one questions. And really, it's searching for the boundaries of what is sin and what is not. But can you see, it's sort of searching in the wrong direction. Righteousness is thinking, how pure can I be with my boyfriend or girlfriend? It's striving and thirsting and hungering for righteousness, purity, meekness, all of those qualities we've seen before. Righteousness is praying this prayer, God, make me the holiest a sinner can possibly be. That's the attitude of heart that righteousness shows. So why would you want that? Why would you want righteousness? Well, as we saw in verse 10 and 20, without righteousness, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven. But also, all the promises of the Beatitudes are the results of righteousness, of living life in line with God's will. Theirs is the kingdom. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called children of God. An old evangelist said it like this, and this quote might pop up on the screen. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is when nothing in the world can fascinate us so much as being near God. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is when nothing in the world can fascinate us so much as being near God. See, righteousness is essential to life in the kingdom. And as Christians, we should spend our entire lives seeking it and gathering as much of it as we can. Not because it ultimately saves us. Jesus' righteousness does that. But because it ultimately satisfies us. Jesus will go on to say a bit later in Matthew 6.33 in the same sermon on the mount, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Meaning righteousness And his kingdom is to be our first priority. Above food, above clothing, above shelter. What should we seek and desire most? Righteousness. But what does Jesus say will happen if we do hunger for righteousness? And here is a great promise in verse 6. Look with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness 
for they will be filled. Jesus promises that most fundamental of human desires will be met. And we see it in the rest of the Beatitudes, don't we? Jesus talks about those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, and then lastly, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. We see the promise is fulfilled already. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And this is a great promise to those who do wake up hungry and go to bed hungry for righteousness. They will be satisfied. They will live more and more according to God's will. And it's great news to those who are poor in spirit and know that we are utterly unworthy of the kingdom of God. It's great news of comfort to those who mourn their sin and how it grieves God. And it's great news to those who submit to God's will and not their own. It's also great news to you. If you've been struggling with sin and just can't move forward in the Christian life, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. The question remains, how are we filled? In what sense? Well, in one sense, we are made perfectly righteous by Christ and we can't get more or less righteous than he is. But if we're talking about our lives matching up with how God wants us to live our lives, our journey is a slow and rocky one upwards until it's perfected when Jesus Christ returns. We get more and more righteous as we submit to God's will, obey him and turn from sin. Full and thirsty. We are both full and thirsty. On another level, our hunger does continue to grow. You see, the more righteous you are, the more you desire to be like Christ and to do God's will. The more righteous you become, the more you want to be righteous. It snowballs and the desire and appetite grows and grows. You will be satisfied and yet thirsty for more. And what great hope that is when your appetite for righteousness is often quite weak and fickle. The promise that it will grow and grow. So how do we build an appetite for righteousness? Because the problem you might be wrestling with this morning is, what if I don't hunger for this at all? What if it's just something I'm not concerned about? And yet I'm told it's fundamentally important to being human, to being Christian. How do we build an appetite for righteousness? Well, the first step is to pray. Although we are made for righteousness, our default setting is to sin to actually turn away from God instead of turning towards God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to turn us to God and grow our hunger for righteousness. So we are entirely dependent on prayer. So pray every day for the rest of your life that your hunger and thirst for righteousness will grow and be amazed at what God will do through that prayer. First step is pray. The second one is repent. Because sometimes we fill our minds and time with stuff that has no place in the kingdom of heaven. It could be flat-out sin, which never actually satisfies us. Or it could be something that's actually a good thing. It just takes up so much time, it gets in the way of pursuing righteousness. Repent and search for something far more satisfying. The last one is read. Read God's word to see what his will for our lives is to see the greatness of his character, of what life is like in his kingdom, and to grow our love for him. 
This will fuel our appetite for righteousness. This is the obvious bread and butter of being a Christian, isn't it? The pun is intended. But I want us to persevere knowing that Jesus has promised it works. When we do pray and ask for this, he will be faithful. When we do read our Bibles and turn away from sin, turning to God, it will fuel our hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Brothers and sisters, what do you hunger for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your gracious promise to us that if we do hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. Our Lord, please grow in us a hunger and thirst for you and life in your kingdom. Help us to prize Jesus above all things, and we pray that our lives may be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.